0: You know, we are um, in a series through James right now where we've been having um, conversations about um, our attitudes, conversations about our faith. James, the younger brother of Jesus, uh, put it best in this book for us, this letter for us, right? is that how do we live our faith? How do we live our faith in action that affects the people around us in relationships? But also there's also social and um, justice that we also need to take a look at. Now there are three themes in the book of James that James really really hits on. And it's simple. It's testing, it's wisdom, and it's wealth, right? And it's also and poverty. And this morning we're going to talk about testing. We're going to dive in, we're going to dive into chapter 4 verses 13 to 17. And we're going to talk a little more about what is what is this testing that James has for us because there is God's plan for us. But the question is do we know it? Do we welcome it? Is our attitude going to take a look at it and change, hopefully, our hearts and our minds? The way that it changed First Lieutenant, you know, men fake heaven you to be serving in our Air Force right now, stationed currently in Japan. Um, Master Sergeant Chungsky right now, who's retired um, for all the years that he's been serving our country in the wonderful sea, uh, Bay, and the sea coast of Monterey. Church, um, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity that we would come before you just to go into your word. As we go into your word, may we be reminded of just how amazing you are and what you give us. And so, Father, Lord, give us this desire to know what your plans are, to be thankful that we're here to breathe air and to be alive because of just the many things that you have to be protected from. Many people that's been protecting us as a nation, as a country, in ways that we're trying to be, make friends around the world. Allow us today, Father, give us a little glimpse. What, what is your plan? Amen. Turn with me to James 4, uh, 13 um, to 17. If you, you don't have, have it, we'll have on your screen for you. James 4, 13 to 17. Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone, then, knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, Sam, what, what, do, you, what do you think, man? What, what do you think this, uh, this verse means? Um, I think it means that we should put our trust in God and not... Make our own plans for ourselves. Hey, uh, church um, service is done. Snack is in the <laughs> fellowship hall. We will see you next Sunday. Okay. What Sam was sharing is is, is so true, and we're gonna dive a little more deep into this passage. Um, I think Sam just said his best about this words this morning. Um, do we trust in God's plan? And and this is uh, here is. Here is the, the simple takeaway home point for this morning for you. It's either God's plan or there's no, no plan. Either it's either God's plan or there's no plan. And when I say no plan, it's because, see, if we are, some of us who, are, we grow up in the church, we, we found our faith, and, and we're, maybe we're seeking Jesus, right? Is that if we are really living our lives for Christ and we claim to love Jesus, then we need to have God's plan in our life, and we must depend on it. You see, if we don't depend on God's plan, and we love Jesus, then God's all about it's all or nothing, so you should have no plan. And it's interesting how no plan, right, NP, right, stands for no problem. And a lot of times we here, right, it's no problem for us, right, to do our own thing, make our own plans, Matter of fact, we have our own course of, like, what's going to happen, and we have it on a Google Doc, and it's in the cloud somewhere, right? In the Bay Area. Only in the Bay Area, right? Right? Only in the Bay Area we do that. Either it's God's plan or it's no plan. Let's go into the Word and find out a little more about what does it mean to have God's plan? What does it mean? Now, before we go into God's Word, there is one word that I want us to kind of take a look at, and it's in verse 15. And it says this. It says, instead you ought to say if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this and do that. Now, the word will is very, very unique in this part of the passage. And this is why James is taking a literal context, the word will, but he's also um, finding a good way to give you some kind of um, like commentary and the way he uses it, it's like it's wordplay. Now, James, younger brother Jesus, um, a good friend of mine, we're talking about, if, if James was here today, James is, like, you know, a really, really, really amazing guy. But he's the kind of guy that when you look at him, maybe he won't talk to me because he's so stern and so serious. Like, he's—if we were to equip him to anything, right, my, my, my friend and I said that, and I said this months ago when I, when I spoke, that James would be a kind of guy that's, like, a leader. Not, like, not any kind of leader, but, like, a mob boss leader, right? Like, just kind of, like, kind of gangster where, like, you don't even really want to approach him, but you know he's, like, really, you know, really crazy, but— what he says is truth. And what James is saying here to um, his, his group of people was that it's, it's command. He wants to make sure that there is a leer behind of what's being said because he grew up with Jesus. He's seen Jesus literally be resurrected on the cross. It came from their source. And this word will has two meanings in the Greek. And the Greek has two meanings for it. It's dilema and bolema. And the word will, okay, can stand for two different things. And thylema means this, the will of God. What is the will of God for you in a sense of his character and his divineness? Let's say the uh, the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt, what, not cover your neighbor, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Ways that certain things that God's character and his divineness in you that he desires for you, you could follow, right? Most of us here, right, I remember growing up, watching the, the commercials from Jesus' Latter Saints about stealing candy, right, saying, uh, saying I'm sorry to a friend, those the values I'm like, man, this Jesus guy was, like, kind, you know? In my household, you know, you steal something, I steal something from you, you know? I just remember different things that the values I didn't understand. But as I learned the character of God, right, I began to see that there's this, it's this dilemma, it's like this will that he has for me that's divine, right, that's character like God, like Jesus, right? Now, volima is an overarching plan, right? So it means will as well, but it has a bigger scope. It means the entire plan for you. That's why a lot of times when it says, like, God's sovereignty has you. You're like, what is that? Well, first of all, what does that even mean? God's sovereignty means that at the end of all things, right, the Alpha and Omega, there is a, a major historical future plan for you that you might not even ever know. And usually God's sovereignty is hidden, right? And so when it's hidden, you don't really know about it. So we got the thalima and the bolima, And they're both intertwined in God's plan. If you understand the thalima and God's plan for you, his will for you, you in turn to understand the bolima, because you understand that I don't know my future. I don't know what's going to happen, but I am going to roll with this plan because if God is good and he's providing his giving, you know that I'm going to roll with him. You know? Someone said this, th- this best to me. It says, look, I'm going to roll with Jesus because it's been working for me. I'm going to roll with Jesus because it's been working for me. And most of you here, most of you have been working for you amazingly. Because you know why? Because Christian Layman Church is here today because of your faithfulness. And some of you here, like, I don't even know who Jesus is. I'm trying, I'm trying to roll with him. It's kind of complex. Like, you know, like, it's, a, it's just a will. It's, it's like, what I, you know, it, what is it? And this is a chance for you to get to know more about his and bulimia. You know, what is God's plan for you? And this morning, let's dive a little bit more into understanding what is God's plan for you. Because either it's God's plan or no plan, right? Verse 13, it says this. It says, now, now listen. You who say tomorrow or today or tomorrow will be gone. We will go to this or that. Spend a year, to the city. Spend a year there. Carry on business. And make money. You know what James is here saying is so look, plans are not bad. If you have plans, like hey, on I have plans right now to go like get lunch. Like I don't know if that's God's will or right now, but I feel really bad right now. Like I'm, I was about to hunk down some like Korean barbecue again. Like it's all good. It's, that's totally fine. Those plans are well. What James is talking about here is the what are your plans, right? that you do not make enough room for God's plan to come in with you. That there's no space for God's plan to come in because you have everything all planned and readied out. You know, James here says, who you who say, meaning is that us as individuals, if we get a chance to say what we want to do and like our plans, most of us here, right, you, you, you already know what's going to happen. You know what's going to do. If you're a parent, you probably have your entire like a retirement plan, and maybe you have children, they're schooling, all that, done. Some of you here, maybe you're in school or thinking about grad school. Some of you here are trying to figure out, like, you know, towards retirement. You have this certain plans, right? But here's the question. Are your plans are right now, th- is there enough give for you to have God's plan in there to kind of shake it a little bit? You see, James sees that right here is that no matter what plan you have, and God, and, and, and James is not a, a plan hater, right? Are you going to include God's plan for you? You know, it's an attitude. And some of us here, sometimes maybe our attitude is pretty bad. This morning, uh, my daughter in the car, our littlest one, Addie, she's pretty talkative now. she's likes saying a lot, a lot of things, you know, and it's always super cute because she's learning how to say things. You know, she's like, she's like um, Mommy, Daddy, um, you know, Karis' you know, little key uh, keychains for VBS is on my side. And Karis on the side is like, that's my side. Don't touch that stuff over there. I turned around, and I said, you need to fix your attitude. <clears throat> you need right now, fine. That's what I'm talking about. What attitude? What are you talking about? And she has her eyebrows all, like, all up, you know. I'm, like, you know, like, sitting in the back. I'm, like, I look at you, Chan, and she's driving. She's, like, don't look at me, you know. Like, she's, like, you're the one. That, I'm not driving, you know. Like, our attitude sometimes is just so negative, right? I'm talking about some key chance for VBS, like, next door right now. She's, like, singing, like, Jesus rescues, you know? But I'm like, not right now in the car. He didn't rescue you, you know? I was just so upset with her attitude. But what is our attitude, right, when we get a chance, right, to add God's plan in our plans, right? A little wiggle room. He says, look, these people that James was talking to, they were have their today and tomorrow plan, what, where they're going to go, what they're going to spend on? These people that James was talking to were merchants, and they were faithful believers and merchants. But they were leading on stray a little bit because they were having other plans that were in mind for what they wanted to do more than what God wanted. And James said, look, you need to be not about yourself. You need to be about, about God. And this is really hard for James to tell them, but he's very blunt up front. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was in Seattle. I was able to connect with my friend, Mr. Hector. Um, and we ate at the most amazing place that I was enjoying, in Seattle, Dick's, which is like the wannabe in and out. But it's like, it is good. Like, it is good. But it's also kind of hood because there's always a cop there, too. Because that's also a hot spot for people to come out late at night, that should be coming out late at night, from different things they're doing, to get a meal, right, like burgers and fries and shakes. And so uh, I met up with Hector. And Hector made room for God's plan for him. Um, he was not even supposed to be in Seattle. He's supposed to be in Texas. That's where he grew up. But God told him to be in Seattle because somebody offered him a position to do ministry. And I call him Slash because he does, he's a children's pastor, he's a youth pastor, he's a young family pastor. He also runs the church's amazing cart truck coffee that goes around different parts of the city and to sell coffee. And once the coffee's out, it's sold out for the day. When I share about Hector meeting him by his broken window in his um, Mitsubishi Mirage that has broken into, that morning after my message, someone came to me and I gave him just one check, I gave me two checks for Hector, it was a good amount of money. they said, "On when you see Hector, you didn't give him this check." So I said, "I have to see him. There's no way." Someone from our church wanted to bless him. Met up with him. We hung out. And the proper thing to do at Dick's, right, is that like you eat your burgers and fries on the back of the trunk. And here we are, middle of the night. You know, Hispanic guy and a Vietnamese guy being dicks together, talking about life, talking about ministry. I got to know his story. You see, he is placing his trust on Jesus to, to be here in ministry in Seattle. He has, he has no retirement plan going forward. He has no seminar education. But you know what he has, though? He has the, this love for Jesus and his attitude. That's just amazing. and It's, like, it's just, like, soulful. I gave him this check, and he says, he looked at me and says, oh, you don't understand. Like, our coffee truck just broke down. It's in service for right now for the next couple weeks. I'm praying for finding, like, money for the next couple weeks this money is going to help me out and you have no no clue what this is going to do for me I, I just looked at him and I said bro like we're part of the same you know same team, team Jesus he made leeway for Jesus he made a little space for him you see when God's plans come knocking on your door right are you going to invite him in to be an honored guest or you're going to look at your phone because you have a webcam, right? Say, oh, it's Jesus. Pretend you're not here. <laughs> not answer it. You know the sign that says no solicitors? My you know Highland sign that says no Jesus. No, no God's plan because, because you know what's to come maybe. And you don't want to you want no part of it. Hector, he welcomed God's plan in his life. Texas and Seattle, y'all, that's a big difference, okay? Very big difference. Hector stands out like a sore thumb in Seattle. This big Hispanic dude, and he's big. But you know what though he loves Jesus, and he's there for Jesus, and that's amazing. Verse 14 it says, Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Your life be gone like this it says that you don't even know what happened tomorrow what is your life what is your life right now I mean most of us here we wake up and this morning I am so blessed to wake up to, to, to I was just so jolly this morning to put like a little so our youngest she's um, she's, she's battling through uh, eczema and so we put a golf ball hand size of like Vaseline on her every day some days I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm all about it. Other days I'm like, this is a lot of Vaseline. Like, you're shining, girl. Like, you're just glistening, you know? <laughs> but last night, we, we started potty training her. She was dry. I was like, you're getting a toy from Target today. Like, you know, and she was all happy. And we're, and just, I was just so joyful to be alive. You know what James is saying here? So look, do you know what your life is? The word know in here, the word know no in here, James uses, um, and a simple, very common word for, um, for us to see the word know is to understand. Do you understand what your life is about? And most of you are here alive. Amen. Right here. But what James says next blows my mind. It says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. He uses positive, then Negative. For a little bit, you're alive, and before you know it, you're gone. Us here being in the Bay Area, the word mist or vapor, right, should actually have more meaning for us because we live close to the sea, and so during the mornings, if you're, like, nearer towards the Half, like half Moon Bay, San Mateo area, right, you see mist come over, like, you know, come over the hills or the mountains, or we call it mountains, right, and it dies off a little bit, right, but these water vapors, this condensation, right? They last for a little bit and they, they kind of die off and they go away. And this is, just, this is what James says about our life. It could be just like that. Here right now and gone the next. Nina Wilson. A couple Sundays ago, she was murdered in a BART. guard station. I was at her... Um, Memorial service for celebration of life. I was probably the only Asian guy in there besides the news reporters and camera guys. And I sat right front center. It was one of the most powerful, emotional, heart wrenching service I've ever been to. Nina Wilson was 18. Some of you here have children who are 18. Some of you have children who are past 18. I have two daughters. At night, when I got this random update on Twitter that there's been a crime about a sister being stabbed and a person being murdered, no longer here. Like most of us, right? We look past it. We don't don't think about it. The next day, the father, Mr. Wilson, talked about this violence and this audacity that happened to his daughter coming home from where his daughter was celebrating her boyfriend's two-year anniversary of a drowning accident. I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken for this family. I sat there, Hundreds of people were mourning. Hundreds of people were saying, why? And it hit me right there. That our life could be gone like that. Nina was named from her grandma. The the name Nina is from the scriptures. It means purpose. You know, two days before she passed away, two days when her life was violently taken away, two days before she was murdered, she was on the phone with Her other cousin named Nina, that her grandma also named her too. And she was talking about, I need to change my life for God. I need to do something for God. I've known him. I need to do something. Her cousin said, you know what? I never never pictured that God wanted her back with him so quickly than I did. You know, I think for most of us, we, we have this posture of maybe being on social media or who we are and what we are to be very clean, to be very okay. The moment that we bring in politics or racism or things like Black Lives Matter and things like racial tension, we feel like we don't have an opportunity to speak about it but maybe that's something that we've never thought about that we can't speak about it bishop clark keith said this best he was so upset when he heard the news about this young beautiful black young woman being murdered and he's a minister he's on 106 on Sundays preaching the gospel he says he was so upset. He wanted to use choice words that he could not say on the pulpit, that he could not say out loud. And he said he thanked God that he's being discipled and cared for because there are people that would just rebuke him. And you know what he said? He says that, you know what? He says that night he wished that before the cops would find this, this murderer, the, the person that did this to Nina, that, that the homies would find him first before the cops did. And when he said that, this memorial service, everybody in the service got up and cheered and clapped their hands. I know I did with tears in my eyes. He said that the reason why he felt like this is because he's a father. And can you imagine here that if you're a mother and you're a father, this is what you come home to about your daughter no longer being here. Church, we have to do something about this. Church, racism is real. Church, black people are dying. We have to do something about this. Nina, Bishop Clark said this. Her name, Nina, stands for purpose. He says, N I A. Now in action. What can we do as a church to be in action? He said, he, all these clergy people, the city councils, people around the area, they all gathered. And he said this, what this, this, this murder intended for evil. You have a room now filled with Muslims, Jews, city council, Christians, non-Christians. People that like to demonstrate the justice people out there. They're all in one room. Picture that. All in one room working together for a cause to fight back against violence, against racism, and to fight for a safer community. There was no religion they were fighting over. There was no personality they fighting over. They were all together. At that very moment, he said that it was meant for bad. God intended for good. God intended for good. All throughout service, they said, what is my name? They were chanting Nina Wilson. Nina Wilson. I pray that in our community that we live in, she's just not another name or a hashtag, but she is someone that has... Goals just like you, I had plans. 18, just graduated. Was into music and fashion. She wanted to be a paramedic, and she's on her way to join the U.S. Navy. Was this God's plan? I don't know. God's Bolima buried. If it's hidden, this is a, a really hidden bolima for the Wilson family and for her. But I felt the community and the power on Friday afternoon together, sitting there as one community. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this and do that. If it's the Lord's will, we would do this we do that. You know, for Nina, I think sometimes we take our lives for granted because um, when we no longer live, we have no choice to take for granted, right? We, have no, we, we, we no longer have a voice. You know, uh, this morning, um, I'm not talking about your job or your jobs or what you're doing or your status where you are. And there's a lot of people here that are white-collar workers and Praise the Lord for you, where you're at. There's also some that are blue-collar workers. Some of you here are students. Some of you are in grad school. You know, what James was pointing out here was that he wants to come and touch your heart to see what is, what is it. Is it God's will for you, or is it your will? Because, see, here in the very, very beginning where it says, if it is the Lord's will, he understands the human depravity of us not wanting to be in God's grace. Right? Not wanting to be in God's right, plans. Because we have our own plans. You know, in Matthew 26, 39, it says this. When Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane, he was submitting to God's will. You know what he did? He says, getting a little further, he fell on his face into the ground and he prayed, My Father, if, it's not, if it is possible, take this cup That you have given me. But if you have not, then may I do your will. You know, this cup that Jesus was, didn't want to take was not just a cup to drink water and, and just, just to be merry with. This cup that, that God wanted for Jesus to take was death. And Jesus himself did not want to do God's will. I I wouldn't, would you? How many of you here would take the cup of death from your father, because this is his will? You you would question it. You'd probably not come home, not answer any of his texts. You'd be far away from him. When Jesus realized that this is the only way that God's will and His plan could be, He says, "Yes, I'll take it." You know, our hearts need to check our attitude because if we have an attitude that is coming and going before the Lord, it fixes a lot of things for us to take a look at what is God's plan for us. Because if it's God's plan or no plan, it gives us a better insight of what does it mean for us to do? What does it mean for us to follow? You know, as believers, this is the hard part. And there's going to be a lot of debate on our theological approach, right? Is God's will fixed. And when I think about God's will for us, right, it's, it's more of this. Are we all interconnected? Are we choosing to open doors for him? Are we checking with one another here, right, about what's going on with us? We're asking friends, being part of communities that are intentional about seeing how we're doing. You see, obeying God is probably one of the hardest things to do. But the will of God simply asks this, as this for you. Are you willing to be a witness? Are you willing to love? Are you willing to give mercy? Are you willing to give grace? Are you willing to open yourself up to others that don't even know him? To be a part of his dalima and Bolima, Part of his will. Part of his character. Part of his values. Part of his arching, hidden, sovereign plan. And some of us, that's the will that God is asking for you. He's not asking you to change your job or to get this PhD or to make more money here or to move here. He's not asking for you to that, to do those things. What he's asking for you is is the condition of the heart to change your attitude the way you see God's plan for you. You know, um, I I think it's really easy um, to be cordial and to be very nice and to be fine um, when— you are working in a church, and, and you're on staff. But I want to tell you this. Being part of our community or our church, it is really hard. I battle a lot of thoughts that are negative. I have feelings, too. And so when I meet up with all these people, and I, I see how they're doing, what's going on with them, and I disciple them, some days I just wish that they would just ask me how I'm doing. And some days I get zero how I'm doing. It's more of, I would like a number two with this drink. Or I can't meet up with you. I'm running late. Or, you know what, I, there's just too much things going on. I can't share it with you. Or simply, um, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking about leaving our church. I'm, I, I don't know why I'm even here. a matter of fact, I'm, not, I'm thinking about leaving our fellowship, and I actually don't want even, even want to walk with Jesus anymore. Sometimes with me and ministering, loving people, um, I'm not a robot. I have feelings and emotions too, and it is draining. It is heart wrenching. A couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, um, I had a breakup. I had a breakup with someone that I was doing uh, discipleship with, um, and the reason why I had a breakup with this discipleship is because um, they decided to leave our church, and I was like, "Well, now they're going to leave our church." Should I, should I stay with them? Should I walk with them? Or should I break up with them? And I said, you know what? We're going to see how this date goes. And so I wanted this date, this establishment date, right? And, you know, I'm a jealous kind of guy, right? You know, like about, you know, ministry and our church and what we stand for, right? And this person, they just kept talking about this other church that they're at, you know, what they're doing and all that mean. I was like, in my head, it's time to break up. It's over you know like in my head like i was smiling i was like you know didn't ask how i'm doing you know they ordered their food we sat down it was cordial but i realized that you know what i'm gonna be honest with you man um i think it's time for us to move on like we're gonna break up he was like i I didn't think it would come so soon i knew it was gonna happen But we had the most honest conversation because you know I wanted the best for him. I wanted to thrive and be in this community because I wanted someone else in that church, that community, to love and care for them the way that I love and care for them in here. Because we're all the same team, and I knew at that moment that was God's plan for him to be elsewhere, to be mentor and love. And I'm totally fine with that. You know, ministry for me is probably one of the hardest things I do every single day because when I wake up, I don't have a nine to five. When I wake up, I know how and why I live for Jesus is the hardest thing to do for my family. And it is rough. It is really rough. One day, um just fast week, my wife said the best thing to me and and, and we struggle. We struggle finding community here. We struggle ways that we serve because we, we want to invest, we want to pour into because we know one day that the people that we invest into that they're going to pour on the same love and care to somebody else. Because if one day we're not here and we're a simple mist, then a person in our program does not run a church. It's the ways that you follow Christ. And why said this to me. She says, You know what, babe? She says, You know what? I know why I'm served. I know why we're here. I know exactly what we're doing. And I accepted it. I'm going to roll with it. I look at my wife. I was like, i married well. I said, you're crazy, but you're right. All these thoughts of like negative, just being self-pity. i having like these pity parties by myself, you know, like just. I understood God's will and why I'm here, why I'm serving. And why I want to love our church. You see, because if it's God's will for us, right, to do what, what is the hardest sometimes, what is the most emotional, what is even sometimes, it's even thankfulness, right? We get a better understanding of just of who he is. As we wrap up, verse 16, 17, it says, And as it is, if you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, It is sin for them. James saying this: stop bragging about yourself. He says, I dare you to live God's life for yourself. You know, boasting, you know, is not always bad. Boasting can be well when you're boasting in Christ, you're boasting because of his resurrection, you're boasting in your own weakness, you're boasting in God's strength. But here is interesting how James uses it. It's boasting that leads to arrogant schemes. And arrogant schemes means that you are prideful, that you're all about you. And my favorite um, one-liners in DJ Khaled says, stop playing yourself, right? Why do you always all about you, right? And for me, nothing can be worse than, um, you know, checking a young person's phone and you see a bunch of selfies of themselves on the phone, right? Every single picture. It's like different angles. Different outfits, different looks, lips, no lips. I, you know, whatever. But it's all about you, right? This verse right here is also a proverb. If you look into it. Verse seventeen says, "If anyone there knows the good they ought to do, and doesn't do it, it's a sin." Your pride is a sin. Your ego is a sin because it takes away the plans that God has for you because you're so arrogant that you're actually so proud of yourself, you actually boast about what you can do apart from God because you don't want his plans. You want your plans. And when you're on your plan, I guarantee you, it's all about you. It's all about you. Someone said that this verse here from 16 to 17 is called the Christian business ethics that could be attributed to the way you conduct yourself and run your business and it wasn't too far-fetched because whom james is writing for these merchants He says, look you cannot boast about who you are it's not about profit it's not about it's not about what you can do on your side but it's about what you are doing for god in your plans and are you attributing to that Georgie on um, to my left is um, part of Epic San Luis Obispo she's a former youth of ours and she was Catholic and so she got to know Jesus um, not even know Jesus until she was in college she has majorly impacted the way that college campus ministry is done on San Luis Obispo where one in every four students is part of either Campus Crusade or Epic that's one out of four students on campus and some of you here support slow because your children go there Georgie leads this group of people and this past week is her last um, time working and serving Epic and she's leaving ministry and you're like why, why are you trying to someone leaving ministry God? well she's going to grad school from an MFT at Fuller and she wants to care and love for people that are going through just mental illness things that the church is trying to fight and give, and provide, and care for, not just on the church level, but even secondary level. People that are unchurched, people that need just care and love. And you know what? Epic wanted her to stay. And I was the first person calling and said, amen, for God's plan for you to leave, because I will support you. You need to leave. You need to do you by God. And she left. The opposite of her is the Lee family. The Lee family's been with our church a couple of times. i have spoken at our youth treats. Um, you probably heard Jennifer's story before, how she came from the depths of her parents from almost uh, divorce, from not knowing Jesus, to knowing Jesus and serving him. She left for missions when she was in high school. We served her when she was part of our other church. Um, they are currently living in, um, in Louisville, Kentucky. And they are now in the process of doing missions in Malaysia, as well as Thailand. And they're in the process right now of their calling of God's plan for them to be pastors um, in Malaysia. i reading their entire life, what they known here in the States, from Kentucky to now moving to Malaysia, where God's plan for them, for their, their daughter. Michael is an ex CPA accountant, Santa Clara grad, white collar worker as possible to be. Jennifer went to Berkeley, um, and is currently working. They're both working inside exactly their jobs right now, and she's going to leave her job to follow Michael and pursue ministry into calling, that they're both trembling and figuring it out. You know, as we end today, you know, what are your plans that you want to live out? Are, are they God's plan, or, or is it really no plan? Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. I have really no idea of what you're going to do or how you're going to do your plan for your thalima to your volima to the people in here to hear of your goodness, your mercy, and your love. May you, Father, be with the Wilson family and friends as they are mourning, celebrating the life of Nina Wilson. And you remind us, Father, Lord. May you remind us, Father, Lord. What can we do? How can we give love? How can we grace? How can you give mercy and all the things about what is God's plan in my life that we just read? May you take it, Father Lord, and give these people, Father Lord, a way and opportunity to interact, to have our conversations, to be kept accountable, to do, to follow through. And more importantly, Father, to make a decision with you that will resonate in their hearts to have an attitude, Father Lord, that is simply obedient because we are not making you know, just space to add value to our lives for you. It's because we want to be with you. Father, Lord, as we come before you, there's prayer in the back. Maybe this is your first time hearing Jesus. This is your first time ever understanding maybe what is God's will for me? What is his plans for me? May that open up a conversation for you in the back of prayer or somebody who brought you. May you follow, Lord, in this room. There's people here that are just broken, that are lost. That are just doing their own plan, to have no, no, no thought of coming this morning to come in to do your plan because, you know, I I'm just want I'm just, I'm to come be here. and I'm, I'm going to leave because I'm, I'm just going to do me and like whatever. May you shake them and break them and ask for them, Father, to have you be reminded of your goodness. And church, as we're here, you know where our hearts are at and there's people in our lives that need you. May you be reminded, Father, how good you are because you are a good God. May you give us, Father, this time to be reminded and reflect of your goodness and your plans for us, Father, Lord. Amen.